G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast with the AFL Fantasy Podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars, we talk about the lesser knowns and the guys that are going to bring value to your Keeper League teams. As per usual, I'm joined by my co-host Kays. How are you mate? I'm good, mate. It was good to have footy back on the weekend. It was Absolutely. such a treat. Yep. Uh, Marsh series, I almost called it NAB Cup then, and I don't think it's been NAB Cup in, uh, <laughs> for about five years, I reckon now. So, I don't know. Anset Cup, whatever they bloody call it. Um, no, it was good to have it back. Uh, I watched every game on the weekend. I just uh, made sure I was on the couch and uh, got around it and uh, got my head in the game. Still have, I don't know, if I still know what's going to happen in the season or what's going to, you know, if I've got a better idea or a worse idea what's actually going to happen in the season because mm. there's so many variables in the, in the preseason game. It's tough. But it's actually nice to speak about current footy and not just, you know, our gut feels in our statistical analysis, I suppose, going forward. So, it's always good when you can actually just watch some footy, you know, figure out what teams are doing, see who's actually kind of had a good preseason, see who might come to fruition for this year and, you know, see just who might be that diamond in the rough in 2020. Absolutely. So, uh, tonight we're going to talk about, uh, I guess we're going to review the Marsh series. But, uh, yeah, just before we do that, I'm, I'm glad we got this uh, kombucha on hand here, Kays, just because uh, we're going to do a lot of speaking tonight. We really need to wet mm. the whistle to keep our um, vocal cords lubricated. Yeah. So, uh, we're on the, uh, what are we on, the Remedy Kombucha Organic Switchel, which is a blood orange flavour tonight. Uh, Not too bad. I yeah. quite like the blood orange. It might be taste. quite nice with a uh, gin, maybe. Can we do a taste, taste test for us, mate? Mm. It's like a healthy... Uh, Sam Pellegrino Aranciata Rosa kind I reckon, of thing. I reckon it's like a healthy Fanta. <laughs> it tastes like Fanta, but like uh, not as sugary. I'm actually starting to come around to the actual like uh, the, the not sweetness of it, I guess. You don't get the artificial sweetener flavor as much as you get in the diet soft drinks. So. That's true. Yeah. Delicious anyway, drop. we'll stop uh, talking about our product that we've got on the table because uh, <laughs> we're not getting paid for it, but they've sent us some freebies. So thank you, Remedy thank you, Kombucha, Remedy. for that, uh, for providing us with some drinks for the show. So anyway, um, last week, I guess, in the well, we're talking about a bit of news and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. We tried to get Bad Dreams on board, or sorry, tried to get Port Adelaide on board to uh, yeah. let Bad Dreams record their theme song or redo it. So uh, keep tweeting those videos that we sent out. Keep tweeting Port Adelaide and Koshi and try to help us get it happening. I feel there's a bit of groundswell coming with that, though. There's, yeah. a, there's a few little few whispers around the fact that we might be uh, might on be under the track something. or something. Yeah. But, you know, it's been a big week for Port. You know, they've had to basically pull out of China this yeah. week. They've signed a, a new deal with MG, which I didn't even know were operational for the last 10 years. I thought they'd folded. But, yep. you know, these yeah. brands that want to associate with Port, they're exactly. cutting edge. They might not have had time to, uh, you know, organise a recording session for Bad Dream. So, that's probably it's why true. it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So, I think if we – next week, probably. Probably yeah. it should happen, I think. Definitely. Definitely. We'll yeah. put out the week <laughs> off this week. So, they've got plenty of stuff to, yeah, to maybe take over. Maybe they'll get long. it happening. So, I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen soon. Okay. Uh, also, the case, we um, hmm. lodged our keepers for the uh, Podcasters League, didn't we, this week? We did, yeah. So, on Friday night, um, we've got 10 teams in our kind of Podcasters League. So, there's a few guys from uh, various pods around uh, – uh, the fantasy community. So we've all put it in our 20 keepers. So we had four squads of 40 last year. Um, this is the second year we're going into it. So the first time we've actually had to put a keeper league, a port a keeper list forward. So everyone's uh, put their 20 keepers through. Um, so day by day, I'm kind of dissecting all of the uh, keeper league lists, uh, kind of asking the coaches and their feedback while they made a few decisions. Um, I give my take on a few. Uh, it's been interesting. So we've got we've had two up so far. Uh, mine's gone up yesterday and Sam from DT Keeper League. He's been up today. So uh, he made a big call of keeping Jesse Hogan. So, yeah, uh, so he wanted to go with Hogan. If it was me, I'd probably err on the side of caution and Back say the no. Ball. So um, it's interesting to see how different coaches kind of um, go about their things. And it's good because you get feedback. So yeah. kind of what this... Um, 
just quickly, I think this Keeper League thing, this list kind of thing uh, makes a lot of sense if you join our, our gold members group because you can basically do what I'm doing, put your list of keepers up there going, I'm thinking of picking these 20 out of 40. What do you guys reckon? And, you know, like I got a good comment on, on my article yesterday. Potentially they made a case of keeping Darcy Tucker because he's got forward status. Yep. We know forward Paul is very uh, shallow this year, you know, over someone like David Swallow. Um, probably a thing I didn't even think of really, you know, when I was doing the keeper list. So, yeah. um, good to get feedback from uh, like-minded people. So, yep. hopefully these little uh, articles give you a little bit of uh, help going forward and when you choose your keeper lists for this season. All right. So, check those out at keeperleaguepod.com.au. But I guess we'll stuck in, uh, get stuck into some news from the weekend. So, mm. nothing major here, but Ben McAvoy uh, came off with a corky. The, the reason I've got it even in the list is we didn't really get to see what was no. actually going to happen with yeah. our ruck setup. So, yep. something else we're going to have to monitor over the next fortnight. And it really skews those Segler points as well because it's yep. going to make the case that oh he's the number one ruckman now but yeah. McAvoy literally paid like, I watched the first five minutes of that game minutes. yeah and yeah. I saw him go down so uh, it's crazy how you know we kind of hope this game might have sh- shed some light on what might be happening with Hawthorne this year but we are still none the wiser going into the second week of uh, the Marsh series just some other quick ones uh, Rory Sloan was icing his hip but I don't think there was too much uh, damage there there's a lot of ice actually thrown out in the game now that I think about it in all yes. the games uh, Marley Williams though uh, suspended uh, I think this week two for, weeks, uh, two weeks yeah, mm. for the start of the season so that could open some doors for uh, some uh, young North Melbourne players especially with the injury list they've got at the moment it looks mm. pretty dire there so we'll have to keep an eye on them over the next couple of weeks to see who's likely to come in and uh, play that uh, runner, that defender role, I think, as well. Um, yeah, coming into North Melbourne's uh, side in round one. So, uh, yeah, interesting to see there. It might open some doors for, say, someone like Paula Hearn, who probably wasn't best 22 in the first place. I'm going to talk about Paula Hearn a bit tonight, actually, because I'm in love with that guy. But I don't think he's going to be up to scratch this season. But anyway, we'll I move on. I don't know, know why you are, but, you know, you can talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the Marsh round one review. All right, on to St Kilda versus Hawthorne for the Thursday night game last week. We're going to talk about a few players that are, I guess, probably Keeper League relevant that stood mm-hmm. out a bit, and uh, yeah, we'll just uh, analyse their game. So, first player I'm going to talk about uh, is Saint, from St Kilda is uh, Tim Membry. So, he had a big game. He was absolutely dominant playing up forward there, um, but... On the back of that, I think it's probably too early to get excited about that. I actually got a few messages um, after the game saying, oh, do I keep memory now? Um, yeah. And I was like, just, you know, pump the brakes, guys. <laughs> just wait up. Because uh, looking at the Hawthorne defence, it wasn't great. Like, So McAvoy was supposed to be playing as a key defender. Mm-hmm. They had that Damon Greaves uh, back there as well. Frost played and he looked pretty... Oh, he looked Rusty. like Frost. He looked yeah. like Frost. Yeah. Um, played there as well. Then, you know, with... Um, King and Ryder playing, though, it could actually be a sign of them taking a bit of heat off up forward as well because they haven't really played with those two before. I know they lost uh, Josh Bruce to the dog, so that kind of gets rid of one. But maybe just having that extra person up there keep, takes a bit of the heat off, do you think, Kays? What do you reckon? Yeah, quite quite likely. Um, Membry's always been a very, very good player. And it wasn't until like, I did a bit of research on him this week that he's actually quite young still too. So, he's yeah. only like mid-20s. So, yep. uh, he's kind of one that... He's never going to be a keeper, but he's one that you could take, you know, mid-draft to kind of chock up your yeah. your forward ranks. And as we know, they're weak this this year, so he's definitely one that's on my radar as like a mid to late draft pick as some as some as a guy who's just going to play every week. And if St Kilda actually do improve, and hopefully they will with you know quality players like Brad Hill coming into their side, they'll be able to hit him a lot better than they have in the past. Yeah. So 
potentially should be kicking a few more goals this year. And, you know, it could be that guy who's a 75, 80 average forward, um, yep. you know, with kind of, you're not paying a price for him when it comes to draft day. Yeah, he's definitely one of those players that you take if you're struggling to have best 22 type players in your side and you need some cover mm. or just the guy to fill out your last uh, forward spot. I think he's the perfect candidate for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dan Butler playing his first game for St. Kilda mm. or his first, you know, kind of game. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, 85 points for the game. Started forward, had five tackles for the game, which really bumped his numbers up. I think he's going to be resigned to that forward role. I think you're going to see blokes like uh, Dunstan, Billings, Gresham having more runs in the midfield. He's kind of brought in to kind of stay at home a bit more. Yep. Um, but could be a handy, I reckon, 70-plus average forward yep. uh, in the forward line. What do you reckon? Uh, one that I would be actually quite keen to take this year. Uh, obviously, coming from Richmond, tough side to crack. Uh, I think he's got the opportunity now. Now at St Kilda probably replaces someone like Dean Kent who played a fair bit last year yeah. um, obviously looks like Butler's a much better pressure player a bit more speed great tackling so I reckon definitely one you could take uh, late in a draft too without too much um, too many issues yeah and going on and moving on we'll look, uh, take a look at Luke Dunstan he had 88 points uh, went he's almost too good for the pod actually because he did average over 80 mm-hmm. last season I think mm-hmm. but we thought we'd uh, just talk about him because I wasn't really sure where he was going to play this season uh, so he had 88 points went at 1.1 point per minute um, so for 100 minutes you know it's 110 points essentially nice. um, he was everywhere throughout the game though he rotated midfield and forward um, look he's never the most consistent player but there's some good signs there but again we need, we're expecting a few more St Kilda midfielders back on that one so yeah. another one you've got to really pump the brakes on a little bit He's well. a really, really tough one as a keeper proposition. Like, if you, especially if you're keeping not many players, is he one you take the uh, roll the dice? And I'm not too sure. Yeah, he's really borderline keeper for me. The owner in our league is really shopping him around yeah. at the moment, and uh, rightfully so yeah. because he's a real risk fair reward. You know, you could keep him and he could end up averaging 100, or you could keep him and he might not have been playing, might not even be playing AFL. So, yeah. um, he's a tough one. I can't get a read on, and I suppose when. When teams aren't playing their strongest side in the Marsh series, you're never going to get a good read on it. Potentially, St Kilda might go in full strength in their second game. Hopefully, they do because at least you get a bit of a feel for for who's actually in their best 22. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hunter Clark, a lot of hype about him in the Mm preseason. Only scored 69 points, uh, but attended seven centre bounces. Mostly played in defence, so... He did have a goal playing in the midfield a little bit there yeah. as well. Um, you know, eight points per minute. Oh, sorry, eight points per minute. Zero point eight points per minute, which uh, isn't bad. Uh, I don't think it was his best game that we've mm. seen. Um, I still have faith in him this season. I think him kind of playing a lot of time in defence is just really um, good to see. Just because you, you, you hopefully is going to keep his defender status for a long time, and you expect him to now with the additions to the Saint Kilda midfielder. Mm. What do you think of him? Uh, well, I didn't really see the game, so I'm kind of leaning oh, okay. on you for some uh, expertise here. Yep. So. Obviously, there's been massive hype of Hunter Clark in the preseason. If you were an owner or whatever, or even if you weren't an owner and you were keen on him after that game, what did you what did you think? Would you be all guns in like uh, everyone's kind of? Uh yeah, I'm still excited about him. He, he wasn't the greatest performance by him, but he's still definitely, you know, he's a young player. He's going to have ups and downs throughout this season. You're not going to, I think if you're expecting, you know, him to come out and say average 90 plus, you're probably dreaming a little bit, mm-hmm. but I reckon the 80 plus is definitely doable for him this season. Should be a pretty handy defender. Yeah. Now, this is one I want you to tell me about. The big general. I traded him into my home of keeper league a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Ruck forward status. The five minutes of the game I saw before I had to work on Thursday night, he looked like an absolute behemoth out there. Did he absolutely set the world on fire? Um, not set the world on fire, but he looked handy for Hawthorne. So he had three goals uh, and then two behinds as well. So he could have had a bag there. Mm. Um, 
this contributed pretty largely to his scoring. I'm not sure if he's going to be, um, you know, kicking those goals every week, but he looked to be playing deep forward. Only had the one hit out as well. So if you're relying on the hit out numbers, it's probably a role he's not going to play. Like he probably got made to play a bit more at GWS and that's why he probably found himself out of the side because he wasn't doing it very well. Um, I think they're going to play him as a sole forward this season and uh, hopefully he can get a few snags each week because that'll uh, contribute well to his scoring. Cool. And your boy, Chad Wingard. Yeah, my ex-boy. Still is my boy deep down. Surely still still a place in my heart Surely. for him. Um, but yeah, look, he scored 53, but he also only had 51% time on ground. Mm-hmm. So, went at a points per minute of uh, 0.8 when you add up the uh, add up the numbers there, the minutes on the ground. So, um, yeah, he looked like he was mostly being used in the midfield too, which is uh, which is really good signs because I'm big on him this year because I think he's one that you could probably get a bit cheaper in a trade or pick him up a bit later in the draft just because of the average last year, which I think was last largely affected by the injuries yep. and a lot of talk about does he play midfield does he play forward I personally think he plays midfield I think it's his best position kind of always has been since even back at Fort, uh, at Port um, you know younger days he did play at Ford a lot but towards the end of his days at Port and then seeing at the end of last year at Hawthorne he really thrives in that midfield and I think they can replace him up forward as well mm-hmm. with the likes of um, Bruce and uh, Poppolo even playing up there and things yeah. like that um, I think they can expend him up forward and put him into the midfield a bit more nice and lastly, James Cousins. Yeah, he only had 43 points, but had uh, 0.9. So, you know, 90 points if he played 100 minutes. Rotating, uh, rotating through the midfield. Um, the thing is that midfield does roll deep. I'm not really sure if he's best 22, but I thought it was just monitor, one to monitor with that, uh, with that scoring in the points per minute there. Yeah, nice. Well, he's the one that's uh, vying for one of my final list spots in our homekeeper league. Okay. Not likely he's going to take that spot unless he absolutely provi- uh, plays a belter in the last game. But uh, yeah. he's one that I was quite keen on heading into last year. And, you know, I think there's still a lot of uh, – I've got a bit of faith in him for this season. It's just uh, I don't think he's keeper-worthy if he's uh, on your radar. Fair enough. Uh, let's move on to a game that you actually did watch, Case. I did. I sat down and watched this whole thing on Friday night. Well, well done. Well, I had to work on Thursday <laughs> night, no, man. Okay. You know, someone's going to, you know, bring the money in for my two lovely cats I've got to feed at home and that kind of thing. Don't you work at a golf course, mate? You can't yes, play golf mate. at night. We play, we have Thursday night twilight golf. It's a <laughs> ah, massive success up at Mount Osmond. So get up there, have a round. If exactly. You're in it's beautiful. Yeah. Great food, great views. <laughs> Mount Osmond Golf Club. Um, anyway, Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. So uh, we talked about the Bulldogs last week. So there might be a few guys I double up on, but I want to double down on Hayden Crozier. So he scored 90 at 0.9 points per minute he really did look amazing back there so i think you still might be able to get him uh cheap if people are looking at his last year stats because i think he's on a massive upward uh trend so no taylor dre back in the the bulldogs back line this year i think it's a big plus for him and looking at how they did line up i do like the way that you know him and Jason Johannesson were kind of like the two ball movers back there. Alex Keith looked really solid. Bailey Williams was back there, but he was kind of playing a bit more of a defensive role. So really, uh, I kind of see Wooden... Williams swapping for each other so uh, Easton Wood will come back in there potentially the only one who could upset that is Matt Suckling so uh, and there has been talk of Suckling playing on a wing this season so I'm pretty keen on Crozier to kind of oh, I reckon he's going to be an 80 85 plus kind of defender this year I reckon he's got all the all the all the tricks and he could be a very very handy fantasy player for the dogs this season yeah look 
I think he might be. Well, this might be a good comparison because mm-hmm. he is, what, 26 years of age? Yeah. He could be this year's Brad Shepard, just a guy who's been floating around for quite a while and uh, hasn't really set the world on fire in fantasy. He pops up out of nowhere playing a, a new role or more of a you know a role that's more involved in fantasy scoring. Yep. He could actually be this year's uh, Brad Shepard, I think. I'm expecting big things, so if you can get him, get him now. I'm not expecting huge things, but I think around the 80 mark. But that's great yeah, for that's a backup. Passable. That's exactly. a great backup. Exactly, yep. Uh, Lewis Young. So, the kid who kind of came in for Aaron Norton, who uh, pulled out late with a knee injury, which all reports he's recovering well, which is great for my keeper side. Uh, So, Lewis Young, he kicked three goals and looked really, really good early on. Um, Took a good grab. His kicking wasn't too bad, really, for what's basically he's been a defender for most of his career. So, while he was impressive, I just don't really see a spot for him in that forward line going forward. So... I think Norton will come back. He might not start the season in the side, but I think Josh Bruce is going to be the guy that basically swaps in for, for Lewis Young. So if you are kind of, if you did kind of get caught up in some hype on uh, Friday night about Lewis Young, just call the Jets. That is Josh Bruce's spot. I do like him though. I actually thought when he kind of burst on the scene two years ago uh, in the Bulldogs defense, played in a, a long sleeve of the first game, which is uh, always stands out on TV. Does. He did some good things as the, the kind of intercepting floating half back, but um, looks like the dogs might hide it might try and use him as a swingman this season. So, um, one to kind of monitor, but uh, don't get your hopes up on, on what we saw on Friday night. Uh, Lewis Young is, and sorry, and Lockie Young mm. are the bane of my existence. You want to know why? I'm getting off topic here, mm. but in all my databases that I do for all the stats and stuff like that, yeah. I create like a unique identifier for each player. And they're both L Young. And it, it goes first name, first mm. initial, mm. surname, and club. Mm. Every player in the competition is fine except for Lockie Young and Lewis Young and they clash. And for ages last year, I was doubling their numbers because I was adding them together and I didn't realise for the, oh, like, no. the first month or something. But now I've got a new like, way I identify players. So, Bulldogs so. recruiters have a lot to answer for. Pretty much. If anyone's actually interested in the way I do my nerdy things behind the scenes and scrape stats, I could actually do like a bit of a segment or behind the scenes on that if anyone's interested. You could do an extra bonus nerd pod. Yeah, tweet us on that if you want to hear about that. I could uh, spread uh, you know, spread some more information on how that all happens yeah. and how it works so you can replicate it yourself. Tweet Hef because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I just come Next and rock player. up every, every, every Tuesday night. <laughs> and the stats are here. Yes. Uh, Bailey Williams. So he had 72 points at point seven points per minute. So uh, pretty good score for Bailey to see him bounce back into the side. Didn't really excite me though. So there was a lot of press in the, the start of the week where Bailey Williams was like, I'm modelling my game on Easton Wood. I'm going to be more defensive on a play on this side. It's fantastic. Easton Wood isn't a fantasy scorer. I just think that that's going to be a direct swap as soon as Easton Wood comes back. He just had the, the first game off as a veteran. Uh, we'll come back into the last March series game and resume his role. So I think Bailey kind of gets kicked out of that role. Look, he does have fantasy game. We did see that a couple of years ago. Uh, he's kind of gone into the wilderness under Bevo, but did re-sign. So, just one, you know, I think I know that he played and he scored an okay score for a backman, and I think that might kind of get people a bit intrigued, but just one that I would just kind of call my jets on as well. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, just the Bevo factor there. I'm not sure he lines up. Uh, mm-hmm. He's one of uh, Doss from uh, Draft Doctors, the, the beautiful Baileys, he calls mm-hmm. them, that's the Western Bulldogs. Uh, one of those players. So, there's a bit of a soft spot there for him, but I just don't trust his role. I don't yeah, trust him to be on the side even. No, definitely not. Uh, and just one to avoid, Toby McLean. Talked him up last week. 
You did. Yeah, when they- uh, Yeah, I know you did, but I'm telling you, talk him down because he had 40 points at 0.5 points per minute. Just for me, he was a small forward role. So, and the worst thing is he was a small, playing that small forward role. The dogs basically had their full complement of midfielders. Like, and if they were going to experiment, they might've experimented, you know, in the first preseason game, they didn't. He was basically playing that that small forward role. Dogs midfielders settled. I just don't believe that he can be a viable option this year in any league. Yeah, look, I'm I'm willing to give another crack because I just cannot look past that scoring two years ago. I still have the you know the slightest amount of faith mm. that he can return to that. But uh, yeah, monitor again. I wouldn't say completely write him off, but it didn't look promising on the weekend. Yeah, right. On to the Rue. So I'll start with Taron Thomas. So he had 64 points at 0.7 points per minute, and I thought he did some really nice things. He was a real eye catcher. Uh, he's got plenty of speed. Got some tricks. I'm just not sure if his fantasy game's there just yet. I think he might be a bit of a quality over quantity player, but there's just something about him. And I think he's obviously going to play each week because the Roos need that class and that skill. If he can spend a bit more time in the midfield, I think he's going to be eventually a half-decent scorer. But uh, for this season, I think he still might spend the majority of the time up forward. But uh, just kind of one to monitor. And if you are in the position to stash him this year, I think it's going to be a smart move. If you get him towards the end of a draft, he's going to have forward status. Uh, Could come to um, kind of... Um, sprout, I suppose, towards the end of this season after, you know, basically a couple of years in the system now. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. He just looks class. Like yeah. the eye test, you look at him, he looks like a gun and he looks a lot ma- more mature than a second Composed. year player. There's yeah. a lot of composure too. Yep. I completely agree as well. I think he's, this year is not going to be his year, but he's going to be uh, one for the future. I get the feeling that last year's draft, there's going to be a lot of guns. It's going to mm. be like, I think the O2 draft it was where there was all those superstars that came out of that one. Yep. I think that last year's draft is going to be quite similar. I think you're right. And I think I've, I've always big uh, big preacher about the third year breakout and yeah. I think this draft coming into next year is going to absolutely go bananas so yeah. if you can stash some stash of these these are good second year players this is the year to do it uh, Jai Simpkin he scored 76 at 0.8 points per minute. Uh, I thought he looked really good too. Um, Genuinely looks to have come on a bit since last year. Did have some really good games in 2019, but a few lean ones as well. My big um, criticism of him is that he's a handballer, but on Friday night, he actually managed to get one more kick than handball. So he's learning how to play fantasy football, which is really good. And I think out of all the I suppose the up and coming Ruse midfielders. I think Simpkins the one you want uh, coming into this season is going to have DPP of um, centre forward. So definitely makes him a bit more uh, rosterable with that forward status, especially when that pool's diluted. So um, Jai Simpkin looks to have the goods. I just hope he can continue that evolution of uh, getting on the boot more than anything. Yeah, I'd roll the dice with him this year if you've got him. You know, worth keeping just to, for the potential that he's got, I think. Um, he's got forward status as two, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, so that's, you know, worth keeping as well. Definitely. And last one for the Ruse, Aiden Bonar. So, he had 71 points at 0.9 points per minute. Now, I'm just not going to be caught up in the hype of Bonar just yet. So, North did have lots of mids missing on the weekend. So, they had, uh, there was no Higgins, no Zebel, no Polek. Um so I just don't know how that midfield's going to operate. So guys like uh, Paul Ahern, Aiden Bonar, they got a few more centre bounces than they probably would have. Ahern. Ahern, whatever. <laughs> Ahern. Bonar. Every Bonar. time. It's, it's just, you know. It's Apparently it's Bonner. That's what the commentators were saying the other night. So it has to be Bonner now. Even though it's spelt nowhere near like Bonner. But anyway. It's not, nothing like Riley. I've interrupted you. Um, but basically, just cool your jets. Uh, his, his points per minute were really good, but he had the opportunity that he's probably not going to get straight away in that Ruse midfield. So, it might be something that does come, and we were kind of um, critical of him in the North Melbourne pod that he'd never really put the points together, even at Neefall or VFL level. So, 
a watch and look for Bonar. Bonar, Bonar, I can't even say it anymore. But, um, Bonar. But, <laughs> but if, uh, it's going to be interesting. So, the, the worst thing is, I think, for, for drafts is that most drafts are going to happen in the next couple of weeks while people have, um, you know, a few weekends to get together and do it. The 9th of March is the um, Kangaroos' next March series game. Now, by that stage, there might be a few leagues who have already drafted. So, you're going to kind of go in flying blind with guys like um, Bonar and Ahern. So, just kind of see if you can monitor what's going on in the, the North Melbourne social media, see who's playing some good internal trials, who's lining up where, because I think that when they get the guys back like Higgins, Zeeble, uh, Cunnington, all kind of meshing in that midfield, it might push these kind of uh, guys out, and he's the one of them that I'm a bit worried about. Yeah, no, look, real positive signs for a guy who reckons has got a career average of about 40, so he's got 30 above that, 31 above that. So, But what would you do? No, nah, uh, if I had him on my list, yep. drop him. Definitely. But I would look at him in a draft for sure. Like, especially yes. with early on as well, you're going to have quite a few kangaroos midfielders out. Mm. They're going to be very depleted midfield. And they're going to be kind of forced to play players like him. So I think he's probably worth just having a look at just in case he finally is going to get a bit of opportunity. And mm. if he takes it, he might go somewhere with it. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Rightio. Oh, wait, wait. Okay. We, we're missing a player here. We've got to talk about one more. It's not, on the, show, it's not on the show, Doc, mate. I'm sorry. What's, what's up? No, no, no. We've got to talk about Paula Hearn. This is my game, man. You can't hijack <laughs> no, no. my game. We have to talk about Paul Hearn. Okay, I can't on. go fast without talking about my boy. Um, so anyway, he had 62 from 57 time on ground, but he went at 0.9 per minute. Um, sorry, 0.9 points per minute. Uh, he also attended 12 centre bounce attendances as well. And we just talked about all these midfielders that are likely to miss round one. Fair chance he could start in the midfield and finally get the opportunity because he's always shown potential as a fantasy scorer. He just never gets that opportunity. Mm. So he could actually get a bit of a chance to start in the midfield field i will say though he did lack a bit of composure and he looked like he was really shown up by the likes of the bont the dunkley uh and the mccray oh yeah the three best midfielders in the competition so there's not many players that aren't going to look shown up with them but look if he's named as a fan he's named as a fender in ultimate footy this year so if he gets a run there could be there could be a case for him yeah but he might get that run and then he's going to – I think he's just going to get knocked straight out. He's going to have to absolutely dominate. The thing with spot. him though, I think like the 57% time on ground, I think he just – and just looking at him, he didn't look like he had the tank to play in the midfield. Yes, he's but issue. he – but the thing is, oh, let me continue. So, look, he kind of gets forced in there because of the midfielders out. But if those midfielders come in, it'd be great to see him across the halfback flank because I don't think he needs as much of the tank to play that role, uh, that rebounding role a bit more. So, if he can get back to that defence uh, defender kind of position, I'd be a lot more keen on him. One of the few that I'd be a lot more keen on him there than I would be in the midfield. Mm. Oh, yeah, potentially with Marley Williams out too. He yeah. kind of opens up, that, opens up that spot, even if they do have that midfield. So, one yeah. to monitor. I, I'm happy to monitor Bonar and Ahern. Yeah. But... Uh, Am I super confident that they're going to deliver this year? No. Yeah, no. That's my, that's my gut feel. I'm kind of the same. But look, I'm interested. Rightio. Next game up was Melbourne versus Adelaide Hef. All right. Uh, had a look at this one. Um, a bloke I've talked about a, a bit in the preseason. Actually, I don't think I've talked about him in the pod, but I've written about him quite a bit. Um, and that's Tom McDonald. So, he scored 108 and he looked to be back in form. It's it's only preseason, but look, his late season numbers, you know, and if you haven't checked that out, our late season averages and differentials article on uh, keeperleaguepod.com.au. He had 106 from his last three and 80 from his last five. So, that was his averages uh, at the end of the season. So, he looked like he was coming good before he got injured. Mm. And we know the year before, in 2018, he averaged in the 90s as well. Yep. So, if you can kind of get back to being fit, Melbourne being good and moving the ball like they, they should have last year um, and like they did in 2018, I reckon he could be a bit of a, an underpriced or an under 
undervalued player in drafts. He yep. um he's going to slip a bit, I think. Uh, Looking at his average, I think it was around the sixty in the sixties somewhere. Mm-hmm. So if you can get your hands on him this uh, draft season, I reckon he's going to be a handy pickup. Agreed. Uh, him and Key Ford. Uh, I'm talking about AKs yeah, as well. Him and Tom Lynch, I think, are the two guys that are going to be undervalued in drafts this yep. year. Uh, some they just had. You know, too many injury issues last year and, and slow starts to their pre-seasons, which kind of put them on the back foot. But uh, I think natural improvement with Melbourne uh, and fitness improvement with McDonald, I think he's going to rise back up the ranks. Uh, next player I'm going to talk about is Sam Wiedemann. So he had 74 points, but what was interesting is he rucked for a lot of the game. Mm. Um, so they did have Luke Jackson on the side, but he didn't ruck as much as Wiedemann did. So he had 20 hitouts for the game, so that bumped his score up a little bit. I think we just need to monitor what's going to go on here because is Luke Jackson going to play alongside Gorn or is they going are they going to use someone like Wiedemann up forward and then he's going to pinch hit in the ruck? And he could do something like Westhoff did a couple of years ago when he gets those extra yeah. 20 points a game and could be actually viable. So if he does play second fiddle to gone, um, he could actually be an option this season. Well, I missed this game. So who looked better? Well, how did Luke Jackson look, really? Uh, look, he did some flashy things, but he looked like he kind of wasn't as up to the size of, you know, um, playing against Riley O'Brien. So, yeah. he looked like he was a little bit kind of underdone coming into this season. Yeah. Um, sorry, you know, just underdeveloped mm. coming into this season. So, yeah, it could be very viable that Wiedemann does actually play second ruck. And I suppose the good thing there is that it was Wiedemann and McDonald playing the same game. So, if you say they were going to be like uh, Tom McDonald, you're going to be the second ruckman. Yeah, yeah. He would have done a lot more of that on the weekend. So, yeah. you, you do kind of get a bit of a... A thought on what uh, Goody might do this year. So yeah. I think I think those guys can just be super handy, just as you know your your F4s, F5s. Yeah. If you know they're going to pick up ten or fifteen points as a as a ruckman each week, it just really helps build those scores. Well, there was lots of talk as well with Bruce and Gorn playing alongside mm. each other, but now it looks like it's not going to happen. Well, with the, Bruce is injured, exactly. Yeah. So and Gorn's injured too. It's just going to be interesting to see what the, happens with the ruck situation. Most likely, what's going to happen is Gorn's just going to ruck ninety percent of the game, and they'll yeah. probably have a pinch hitter, probably Weedman that come in and take five hitouts a game and do bugger all. Yeah, but, but anyway. at least but at least you know he'll be playing. At least, you know, there's always a few more points to be had if you can get in that ruck. For sure. Um, Aaron Vandenberg, uh, he was fine. He's finally fit and uh, they played him in the Marsh game. And, yeah, he looked all right. He scored 78 and went at uh, 0.9 points per minute. So, it was good to see him out there. He looked like he was playing on the wing at the time, but it could have just been a really high half-forward role. Depends where he was getting his touches. It's hard to tell on the TV. Um, he had 19 touches and he's just a bit of a forgotten man. Mm. Um, I personally just can't – well, you didn't have him in your best 22. No. I put on Twitter today, is he best 22? And a lot of Demons fans said, if he's fit, absolutely. Yeah. What are you talking about, Hef? Yeah. I can't – I don't know. I just because he's been so injured, I just don't know how reliable he is um, and how well he's going to run out games and how much of like a long-term prospect over the season he's going to be uh, this season. But, you know, he scores pretty well when he does play, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, without watching the game, I, I can't really comment. But, you know, like he's always had a few good scores to his name. It's just been the injuries that have kind of brought him down. So, yeah. if potentially Melbourne are looking for someone like that who can just do something a bit different and, and regenerate their, their um, playing group from last year. Melbourne fans love him. So, yeah. well, as I learned today. Um, Nathan Jones, uh, Case. I know you mm. love Nathan Jones. So, he has 71 points playing uh, up forward. So, he's listed as a defender this season. But he's actually playing up forward. He went at 1.2 points per minute. That's hot. I think in the third quarter, he just smacked bang like three goals in a row. <laughs> like it was a Amazing. Wow. Um, still a no though for me. Yeah, it's just the <laughs> it's just the age factor. And look, if he's playing half forward, yeah. it means he's just going to plug some holes this year and yeah. just be there for some uh, on field leadership. Half forward for me is like the most. I hate it for fantasy. Like half forward and forward pocket, like especially those as like a 30, 31 yeah. year old dude. Yeah. Like no, that's a that's a hard. Yeah, they always seem to be in between the play. Like they just kind of you know well, they're lucky to crumb something and yeah. put it through the goal. Oh, he's a, he's yeah. a jet, and he was and he was really good from the the chops for a few years for me. Um, yeah, but I was a previous owner too. It's just the fact that you know he's aging. Melbourne need to start playing a bit more youth in the important. 
positions. Yes, he'll probably still play, kind of like what Jordan Lewis was doing last year. Just his fantasy relevance just drops. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll move on to some of the Crows players here. So we'll look at uh, Wayne Miller. So he looked really, really good uh, in last week's game. So he had mm. 29 disposals and 89 points. Um, went at a point a minute, which is pretty nice. Playing very outside. Looked to be half back, sort of a wing roll as well. Still not 100% sure that he's not going to get thrown around to play out four. That's what always worries mm. me with him. When, he, when they do that, it... It's really annoying, but luckily there's a new coach this season, uh, Matthew Nix. Um, hopefully, is just going to play him off the halfback, and sh- he should show. You know, he's showing good signs at the moment. Mm-hmm. I was just worried with that halfback line, though. You've you know, you've got Laird, and then you've got someone like Smith, who's probably going to play on a wing this season. But you've got blokes like Smith that can eat into all the defenders' scoring as yeah. well. I don't know. Do you have any any thoughts I, on that? Uh, without seeing the game, I just think he's an absolute gun. Like I've got so much time for him. I'd love to have yeah. him on my side. So I I just back in the fact that if he's scoring those kind of points, you know. Uh, in a preseason game, he's just taken that next step and he's going to evolve into a, an absolute jet. Yeah, I've been added a few times over Miller because mm. I think I said I would rather keep someone else for this next season coming up. I can't remember who it was, but um, the, only, the, only, the only reason I say that is because I'm just not, I'm not confident that he's not going to have to go up forward like he did last year and just kill his scoring. Yep. That's the only thing that worries me. But yeah, like I said, hopefully with a new coach that just gets thrown out and he does play across halfback because then he will be a gun. Mm. He's a gun. Uh, Rory Atkins. So he's named as a defender this season, but he was running. Oh, sorry, a defender in Ultimate Footy anyway. Um, he was running off a wing so if he plays that role every week uh, it should be pretty good for as a defender so he had 93 points but the thing was there was no Smith or no Seedsman um, and they're likely going to line up on each wing so I can see yeah. Rory Atkins actually going back to a halfback role again like we talked about with Miller there's a lot of competition back there for points I guess in uh, Crows' defence yeah. so no guarantees um, that he's going to score like that in season but it was a good positive sign if one of those good guys goes down he could push up to a wing and be a handy defender scorer there as a defender I think he's a must have okay. like not as in terms of you know like top yeah, yeah, ten top defender, but, if but I think if you've got him, he's going to go in a draft somewhere yeah. and quite early. I think as well. And I'd be if I had him, I'd be keeping him because okay. I think that like he's always shown a bit of a bit of class. Like he's always. Um, you know, the Crows seem to love him. He's got pace, which they need. Yep. Um, you know, what did he average last year? He averaged eighty-one. So if you're going that, that that's almost like a D two for some teams. You know, like that. That's some really good scores. Um, Twenty-five years old. I think just getting the back the back status is an absolute gift. Um, he's basically averaged eighty for his last three seasons. So. Um, yeah, you got to you got to keep him. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Miles Paholke. So he looked pretty comfortable out there. One of those guys that um, I always picture him in my head because um, I always look at the sample numbers and I've watched him a few mm. times. I always picture him in my head as like a bit of a weedy kind of little kid. But you looked at him and he just looked like a you know like he was built to play AFL. Like, like a man. He looked like a man for a change. Um, so yeah, he looked pretty comfortable out there. He had the most uh, CBAs for the Crows as well behind O'Brien. So O'Brien obviously taking the rucks, but he was the number one midfielder playing in there. And he had eighty three and went at point uh, nine points per minute. So he's definitely on my watch list. He'd be available in our draft. Yep. And he looks likely, well, the way he played on the weekend, he looks like a starter for the Crows round one. You reckon? Uh, look, I cannot say confidently, but he looked like it in this game. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. without saying, I can't really comment. But yeah. And I haven't really seen, we haven't really seen him in the, in the Crows. So yeah. hopefully new coach, they're going to play some youth. Hopefully he gets a go. They might have found one here. Nice. And uh, our, one of our favourites, guys, Patrick he, he Wilson. He is a keeper league favourite. Absolutely. One of the Magoo's stars. Uh, absolutely racks him up in the twos. So he had 68 from uh, 64 time on ground. And he looked pretty fantasy friendly when he was on. He racked them up early. There's always concerns over time on ground because I'm not sure if his tank's big enough for AFL level. Mm. But Patrick Wilson... 
you know, it was good to see him playing on the weekend. Fingers crossed as a keeper league favourite. Um, we should try to get him on the pod actually or something uh, at some stage. <laughs> I reckon he'd probably There's do it There's a few too. loved ones. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, yeah look, uh, I'm hoping we see him this year and he's actually given a chance to show us the fantasy scoring he's capable of. Yeah, if he can do that, if he can emulate any of that SNFL form, you know, he's he's got to go into your side, I reckon. Yep. Uh, where's the Ben Keys watch? Uh, look, he's actually, he's actually right, a bit of a run through the midfield, but only played the second half, so mm. his scoring wasn't... Uh didn't look as great, but I think if you look at it a points per minute wise, it would have been fine. I was listening to Five Double on the way home yesterday. I'm Graham Corns was, was a big rap on Ben oh, Keys. So I don't know God. if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But uh, anyway, um, it's Ben Keys' season, man. Uh, all right, we'll have to wait and see. But no, look, he played the second half and he looked all right from a fantasy perspective. So you'll be all yeah. uh, Right, Gold Coast Geelong, uh, the game I watched on Saturday night. So. Chips in. I'm chips in. Matty Grau, number one draft pick in any keeper league, I think he's got to go in there. He looked absolutely sublime. Was everywhere. Nine kicks, 11 handballs. Didn't take a mark, which is quite surprising. So, all he has to do is add a couple of them and he's basically tonning up. Uh, And seven tackles. So, he tackled really well. Almost, I know know it's the ginger thing, but he looks like a little Clayton Oliver. Like, just in around the ball, wraps up blokes. Jeez, there was it. Just can, it was exciting. Can you say ginger mate? Is that PC? Um, red hair. <laughs> I don't know what else. They look. He looks like he looks like Clayton Oliver, man. Okay, I was just passing. Um, go. Yeah, he has to go early. So I've got uh, number one draft pick in our home league. I was umming and ahhing because I'm not really a big I one. On, this. I I'm love not, this. I'm not really a big one on yeah, taking first years, but like I am chips in. You've really changed your tune. I've been saying it all preseason. Yeah. He's definite number one in a lot of. My drafts. thing was I didn't think he was as good as Sam Walsh, but now I've changed my tune. He is. Like he was not far off those numbers and yeah like what I said I think with like I think with Sam Walsh it's, it's the case he kind of could have made he was surrounded by a lot more talented pool as well which kind of means mm. that you could have a bit more support out there where I think he had to do a lot more heavy lifting in the underage stuff so I think with Rao I reckon he's good to go he's going to be a star big time uh, speaking of guys who've really pumped up on this pod is uh, Connor Butterick Butterick I can't remember the commentators are Butterick. saying it weird Butterick Butterick yeah he had 65 points at 0.6 uh, per minute, uh, which is not too bad for a guy who's um, really flew under the radar. So uh, we flagged him well into well, the back end of last year when uh, all the draft stats came out. We did our top 20 fantasy draft days podcast. He was quite high and I think yeah. almost top five. So he's kind of slid under the radar for those who are new because um, Gold Coast basically got some priority picks, but they were they they could lock him in into the second round of the draft because so he was a Queensland because he was a Queensland native. They mm. could basically with the new rules they can take them with the basically last picks of the draft, and that's yep. what they did. So, he probably would have been, I don't know, top 10, top 20 player potentially. <sighs> top 30 probably. Yeah. yeah. So, he probably would have got a bit more airtime uh, because of that. But because the Gold Coast had basically locked him in um, from the start, he kind of slid under the radar. But what I loved about him on Saturday night was he was just so composed. Like, he had plenty of composure on the ball. Yes, he was still a bit, you know, looked a bit young, a bit scrawny, but uh, didn't really look out of place because so, he had played a fair bit of NEFL footy as yeah. a 17-year-old kid for the for the um, Suns last year. So Such he's, a tough competition as well. Yeah, but he's still playing <laughs> against men. You know, I love guys who play footy against men. just making a joke, case. Don't stir me up, man. <laughs> right. No, nah, but uh, for a kid, you know, I think he's uh, on the right way. I think as a salary cap player, if you are in that uh, 
in that landscape, he's got to be a must-have in your side. Because I think they'll play him early. He might not play round one, but I think he'll definitely play some games this year. My thing with him, I'm just not sure if he's midfield ready because he is quite short. I, mean, I know he can play out forward as well. So I know in this game he did run through there a bit, but I think mm-hmm. Gold Coast might have just been testing a few things because we saw in the second half he really quiet down because he was spending more time up forward. Yeah. I'm just wondering about that. I think... I just can't – with the Gold Coast midfield, you can't say in three or four years a player like this will definitely be in the midfield because all their midfielders are around the same age. Mm. I'm just a bit worried about that. But if he can get a run in there, he's going to be a good scorer because he always has been Agreed. as a junior. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Huey Greenwood, uh, probably almost too good for the pod, but definitely worth a mention. He had 114 points at 1.1 points per minute. So I think he's a must-have. So forward status this year, I think if you've managed to hold on to him from the Crows' time – you're super happy right now. You'd be licking your lips. He He'll was be in, in someone's team for yeah, last year for sure. He was in everything on Saturday night. Like he was, he had that nice big mop haircut. He's kind of grown up there. Yeah, it's a bit longer. Real surface style. He really stood out. But uh, I was a bit unsure about him before this preseason and kind of where the whole Gold Coast team would line up. And I know they weren't full strength because, you know, guys like Ellis and that weren't in there. But he looked like an absolute must-have if you are yeah, in any kind of um, fantasy football. I'm not sure if this has been mentioned before ever, but he is an ex-basketballer case. I'm not sure really? if anyone knows that. The no. commentators definitely don't bang on the bat every time he gets a touch. But I think it was Brandon Ellis on Instagram put up a uh, pretty sweet video of him just like hitting clutch jump shots um, in a social basketball game that they were playing. I just thought that was pretty sweet. He, awesome. like, he was like a uh, college baller. Yeah, it was quite it? good. Yeah. But it was just, <laughs> it's just awesome to see a player like that just like actually in his element Do his doing thing. that. Yeah, it was good. Moving on. Lastly, for the Gold Coast Suns, Ben Ainsworth, he scored 109 at one point per minute. So I was super happy with this game. So I kind of uh, flagged in our Gold Coast preview that, you know, I needed to see something from Ainsworth. This was his year. He's uh, kind of had his issues with injury and form. Um, He's always had the potential, just needed to see it. And he played an absolutely amazing game. Uh, Was so clean, was in the guts, tackled, did everything. He was basically the the full package. Kind of had my um, Saturday night pencil in basically on Jack Bowe's watch, who was a touch disappointing, but didn't get as much run through the midfield. That's surprising. But he did play through the back line. So there might be a little DPP coming for Jackie Bowe's. Average 70 there would be great. That's fine. He's a keeper. Anyway, but Ben Ainsworth was an absolute stand. Out. He blew me away. Um, he might be in a few pools this year because, um, you know, it was just a bit of a, a flyer for, for some legs. Yeah. Potentially, there will be some legs who uh, don't keep as many players. And I think that he is one that you'd love to have if you can get your hands on him. Yeah, agree. He's um, well, hopefully, you know, on the back of that, some people might be. I know there's been a lot of talk on Twitter, a lot of people adding us and uh, basically saying, what do I do now? I've got Ben Ensworth on my side. I need to find a, do I need to find a spot for him? And I'm kind yeah, of saying you, you, should, you should think about it yeah. at least, depending on who you got. Yep. Um, but yeah, he could actually be dropped back, especially those leagues that play waivers as well might drop off a, uh, a player who was injured for the majority of the mm-hmm. season like Ensworth mm-hmm. was last year. He could be floating around in there too. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be exciting for a few leagues. I reckon he's definitely one to watch this season. It's about go time for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, looking at the Cats, uh, they were a bit of a basket case, really. They didn't really seem too interested. And when you're playing in a cotton-on T-shirt, you can't <laughs> really be taken too seriously. Can I you? was watching that one with the missus and she's like, why are they wearing T-shirts? I just don't ask. It's like, not, I think it's almost a mental thing. It's like, what are they doing? Like, put a bloody Guernsey on your peanuts. Yeah, know. it was very weird. And especially in the Gold Coast where it's hot and sweaty, they would have been sweating bullets. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, one that one guy that really kind of stood out to me was Jacob Kennelly. So, he had 56 points at 0.9 points per minute. Played his part nicely and showed some dash through that uh, Geelong back line of midfield. He only averaged 60 points uh, and nine touches in the VFL last year, which was a bit um, 
bit weird because I thought he kind of had a bit of fantasy game on Saturday night. His number eight, underage numbers were okay. Uh, so he's coming into his second year this year. Um, was f- originally from SA, I think, uh, one of the, the gun kids from our state league winning team. But um, there was just something about him. He's got some good speed and I think that might be an asset for the Cats this year. I don't know if he's going to... He's. I doubt he'll be playing around one, but I think he won. You might want to monitor. He had a, had a few tricks. Not one on my radar. I don't really know a lot about him, to be honest, but uh, we've got to talk about someone from Geelong, so I'm sure he can make the list. There's a couple others. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Atkins, he was really good. 82 points at 0.8 points per minute. Looked class. Yeah, he looked really impressive. So he was very handball happy on the night, um, but looking back through some of his stats through the last few prospectuses, that's kind of been his thing, uh, that pressure forward. I think he actually racked up 26 tackles in a game or something like that in a VFL game, looking back on some old um, news. So just going to be interesting to see if he gets the opportunity that he did on on Saturday night. So he, he looked really good through the middle, but will he get that opportunity comes the season time? I'm not sure. Like he basically played all last year as that pressure forward. I'd love to see him kind of get in that midfield because I think he's actually got a bit of class. Uh, I think he's a forward this year. So if you can get him, I think he might be a nice little um, late pickup. Hopefully the, the uh, Marsh Series game hasn't spiked too many people's interest, but uh, definitely one that I'm keen on. And speaking of class, let's talk about Jordan Clark. He was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, 76 points at 0.7 points per minute. He was just so, so impressive. And his field kicking, yeah. amazing. Oh, and a defense too. Yeah. And it, um, this, uh, he just looked like he belonged, like, and, and was part of it. Like, I'm not saying he was bad last year, but, you know, like, potentially I've forgotten how good he was over the, the preseason, but, like, he just kind of blew me away. He yeah. was just. Almost like levels above in terms of class, composure. His foot skills are immaculate. Um, absolutely zero doubts now. So, you know, I was a bit worried about him losing back status now and him having mid, mid only. Nah, you're keeping him. What he, was, he was fantastic. What was interesting is he was playing defense and there was a lot of midfielders mm. missing as yeah. well. So, he could, you know, we'd say don't draft people or don't keep them on the back of them potentially getting status. Hey, but it, he's a chance. It would be an absolute blessing if he got back status, but I'd be keeping as a mid-only. Yeah, drums. I'm happy to yeah. do that too. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's going to be a gunner eventually. All right, Hef, I'm going to leave the room for 10 minutes while you talk about Port. I'll start off uh, by talking about a Brisbane player first because there wasn't really a lot to talk Come about. Come home with the cream, is that and, right? And actually, uh, I don't have a big rap to talk about this guy. I'm just going to talk about Cam Ellis-Yolman because hey. he was uh, talked about quite a bit in the off-season um, what effect he was going to have on a few of the uh, younger brigade in the Brisbane midfield. So people like uh, McClug, and uh, Berry and things like that. Uh, but yeah, look, he looked off the pace, like really off the pace. He had 38 from 78% time on ground. Uh, no thank you for me. Um, yeah, no, he didn't look good. So I'm not just, I'm not sure if it was um, pre-season height. Um, look, looking back to uh, the previous seasons, 2018, he went at 70 plus mm. and then uh, 80 plus in 2017. Um, I don't think he's going to be anywhere. I don't know. I think he's going to be with somewhere and if he could, you know, maybe play somewhere else in the field, he might be a good pinching role. But for me, I don't think he's currently in the best 22 and I don't think he's uh, going to be, you're going to have to worry about Barry and stuff being affected by him too much at this stage. Yeah, I was never really buying into that hype in the preseason because Brisbane had such a good list anyway and he was never really like a, a mainstay of the Crow side. I know he had some injury problems and that kind of thing, but um, yeah, interesting. I, I'm not that keen on him now after the, the stats from there. Um, but, you know, there's one more game to redeem himself potentially. So just monitor him before you write him off completely, I think. All right, uh, we'll talk about a few Port Adelaide players now. So now you can leave the room, Kate. 20, 
20 players on no, this list. There's four here, mate. Come on. You're, you're seeing like, things. Felt like 20. Yeah, whatever. Um, look, Stephen Motlop, he turned up, rotated wing and forward, um, kind of with Sam Power Pepper um, in that role. Look, he looked great, but I've never really liked his consistency. So he's not really one for me. But I thought I'd mention him just because you see the 100 at the top of the yeah. um, thing, and he's going to be in a lot of keeper league pools. So worth you know mentioning, but I don't think he's really worth looking at. Well, Charlie Dixon was super wraps on him, you know, talking up. He's the fittest he's ever been. He's ready to go. Yeah. If you, if you had him on your side, would you even float the idea of keeping him? No, I would not. Not at this stage. Just, I, just, you know what I feel about key forwards. Mm. But look, looking at a couple years ago, um, he was, you know, um, quite up and about. I have actually think I've mixed uh, two uh, segments up here. <laughs> I think I've mixed, I've talked about Cam Ellis-Yolman and Charlie Dixon in one there. I've looked at the two notes. But he was the other one we're actually going to talk about. Mm. Um, he did look good. So, yeah. He went, uh, I think he went at 80 plus a couple of seasons ago and went mm. down last year. Yep. So I reckon, um, yeah, if he can get back to that stage, he's definitely going to be one of those handy pickups in draft, but he's not one that I really would be confident on keeping. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't be keeping Dixon, but after kind of some of the highlights I saw on the weekend and the numbers and the way he was just clunking the ball. Yeah. And on your Harris Andrews, mate. On my boy Harris Andrews, yeah. who's a fantastic defender. Um, yeah, it looked exciting. Like, And there's been a bit of talk in Adelaide that, you know, like he's you know, actually fit again and that kind of thing. And he did look quite imposing in all the, the highlights. So, um, he'd be one that I'd be focusing on mid-draft, I yeah. reckon, if you, if you, especially if you're in that window and you need someone who can potentially knock out a 70, 80 each week. Last year in our draft, he went first round to the eventual premier. So he was wanted to pick up a forward who was going to play every week because I think his yep. keepers were pretty pretty hot. Yeah. Um. But yeah, look, that's the kind of potential I guess he could go because yeah, if you go to his prior season number twenty seventeen in particular, in particular where he was tackling a lot mm. and kicking goals. Yeah. He can get around to that eighty mark. So if he can hit that again, look out. Could be his year. Uh, look, Dan Houston. Everyone's waiting for us to talk about him. Uh, but look, he started slow, but then really got the skates on. So he mm. had ninety five from seventy one uh, percent time on ground. As a defender, look, the 95 doesn't look great as a midfielder, but because he's named as a defender, that's amazing scoring, really, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the uh, time on ground. I'm just wondering, Kays, do we chuck the uh, hashtag 2G4P next to his name yet? Uh, yes, please. I think okay. he's gonna. He's too good, and I'm just sick of talking about him. Like, yeah. I'm just sick of the Dan Houston hype. Everyone's everyone, It's not even a secret anymore. Like, yeah. he's going to be a gun no matter what kind of fantasy style of footy you're playing, whether you're doing salary cap, whether you're doing draft. People want Dan Houston, especially in salary cap. You should have him. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be way too good for this pod. Uh, speaking of hashtag 2G4P, Connor Rosie, I reckon, might get there oh. towards the end of the season. Uh, he had 94 from 57% time on ground. So, he Thanks. copped a bit of a head knock with Alex Witherden, I think it was. Mm. Um, spent a bit of time. I think he spent 20 minutes getting checked, but he came back on. So, look, seriously, get on board this guy. He's got midfield time uh, in the bag this season, but I still reckon he'll keep forward status because he's pretty valuable up there. Plus, he's so freakish around goals as well. Um, can snap him from everywhere. Absolute gun. Um, just get on board because I reckon he is going to be one of the next best forward kind of stars in the competition, I think. Agreed. All right. Move on to the last player I'm going to talk about, and that's uh, Justin Westhoff. So it was interesting here. So he played, uh, had scored 77 from 63% time on ground, and he played back up ruck, but Lysett didn't play. So what I'm thinking is could Ken be considering playing one ruck and having Westhoff the backup like he was back in the day, or is this just like a Marsh series, um, you know, just a weird thing because they had a ruckman out? It'd be good for fantasy if he could play that ruck role. So monitor the next game and see what happens. I think what's going to happen is they're going to play Lysett and uh, Laddams in tandem which is probably going to affect one of their scoring. I'm not sure who it will be. The only game they've actually played together, Lysett had 144 and uh, Laddams had about 30. So we'll have to wait and see how that actually works.
works out. It's not mm. really much of a sample size there, but uh, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. But if Westhoff does kind of play that role as a backup ruck or a pinch hitting ruck, could get a few hit out numbers and uh, boost his scoring there like he did a couple of seasons ago. He's going to be missed to fix it once again for Port Adelaide. Yeah, uh, definitely. Just wherever they need him to. Um, look, as a centre forward, um, what did he average last year? 77, which is probably unders. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he can improve that. Like, I think he gets to the 80 mark again, yeah. which is where he generally where he goes at. Mm. So, yeah, if he gets to there, um, he's worth having in his final, what will probably be his final season. Yep. All right, that uh, wraps up the Marsh Series review. We'll jump into uh, just looking at a, the, the membership stuff. So, um, look, we've got uh, the points per minute adjusted scores that are coming up. That's not actually for members. That's public out there. But um, that's been a real draw card for the website the last week. Uh, so what we do is we basically work out um, how many points a player scores per minute on ground. We add the we add the times by uh, 120 just um, so we can get a level playing field if they were to play 100% time on ground, which is never going to happen. Everyone says we should multiply it by 100. That's more realistic, which I 100% agree with. But a lot of players play more than 100 and it brings their scoring down. So it doesn't really make sense to bring a player scoring down if it's going to be higher. So that's why we do 120. So just to clear that up for people asking about that. But look, on the membership side of things, we do have uh, State League Fantasy Scores, Drafty Fantasy Scores, Breakout Tracker. State League Fantasy Scores and the Breakout Tracker is going to update uh, weekly during the season. So um, you'll get all your players playing in the twos, how they're scoring. Or if you play waivers, you'll be able to see who the gun fantasy scorers are on the twos and maybe snap them up before they look like debuting and things like that. So that's going to be handy. Um, we've also got the rankings for every lineup there now. Top 100 rankings for every position except Rucks where we only did 50 because there's not 100 to rank. No. And, uh, and 50 is fa- too many. And we found that out <laughs> the hard way. Um, and we did a mini episode for every line as well. So talking about the top 50 in our rankings there too. Um, the draw card at the moment though is the Gold Members Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Everyone is getting on board that thing. I think we've got about 59 in there now, Gold Members. And there's gold members that signed up um, that still haven't joined, but there's also gold members that are are trying to get in and they have no idea what the code is to get in. Just a public service announcement. The code is in your sign-up email. You'll get two sign-up emails and it's in two of them. So just go back and have a look at those because people are like writing, I never got one or... um, I don't know what the code is <laughs> or just let me in as the code. And uh, yeah, it just then I have to actually go through and check who's an actual gold member. And it can take me a while to actually get to that and approve it. So um, just be easier if a few people just had a look in the emails, but that's the one I'm going to say. And now's the time to join because now's the time you need to get that last minute bit of information about who you should keep, Absolutely. who you should list or who you should put, uh, you know, number one, two or three in your rankings, yep. especially for uh, With drafts, drafts coming up, you need all the resources available. So yeah, yep. I highly recommend getting on board. Uh, but as per usual, uh, we talk about or we guess we go through and we name five gold members who have signed up each week and this week we have tom putzi uh tom erdenough zach lang matthew schweitzer and uh adam warney child that's uh of dt talk fame and the traders so that's, that's how good we some are elite company <laughs> yeah. so you could actually pick the brain of the one and only warney i don't think warney's jumped in the uh, gold members group but maybe we should try to get him in there we should make a campaign for him to join he's, he's probably got, a very very busy man this time of year he's got the join code it would, we could get him in there but yeah i don't think he'll be answering too many questions for us i think uh, he's got a bit of his own work to do but uh now thanks for those gold yeah. members for signing up thanks and, uh, tom tom zach matt and adam uh hopefully 
hopefully I haven't butchered too many of your last names, but uh, I think you did a pretty good job there. Yeah, that's fine. Hopefully. All right, before we move on to the listener questions, we'll go through a podcast reviews. They're starting to roll in now, actually, which is good. Nice. We were at the bottom of the barrel, and uh, every week we've had someone save us, but don't stop them coming in because Keep we will coming. we will run out eventually if uh, people stop writing them. And so. that's very vain. He likes to be told he's doing good work. No, nah, look, I'm very happy to have a four. I'm very happy to one star. Five stars does uh, actually bump us up the ratings a bit more, and the comments I think and actually leaving a review helps even more. So that was good too. But uh, this one's from Self Made Failure, and he writes, uh, "Top notch. I stumbled onto these boys when listening to other more price based fantasy podcasts, and I haven't looked back. Uh, great focus on relevant players for keeper leagues. Good structure and banter. Questionable, um, especially about the uselessness of key position forwards. That's a lie. They're Absolutely. very useful. Absolutely, that is great. In- that's a great insight from a listener there. Self Made Failure." Thought I'm, I might have liked you, but I'm you glad suck. we're on the right track. I love this guy. Who's um, on the Who's on the key forwards? Let me finish. Let me finish the review, mate. Then you can complain. Okay. Uh, hopefully, listening to you boys will give me the tools to finally win after two runner-up seasons in a row. I've got faith. Self-made failure. You've got it this year, mate. Thanks yeah. for writing in. It's in the bag. But is there anyone out there who's with me on the key forward club? All right, I think we need to get people tweeting in here. Yeah, so surely if someone wants to join in the Key Ford fan club. As the president, you need some yeah. members, I think, Kay. So I do. Tweet in if you want to be a member of the uh, Key Ford fan club with Kay. Stand Kays. with me. Yep, tweet We've Kays. got some of the most exciting players in the competition now, group. We've got Norton, Kerno, I can McKay. feel a hashtag coming in, stand with Lecocious. Key Ford or something like yeah. that. We'll have to think of something witty. Bring it on. All right, let's get into the listener questions. On to the listener questions. Uh, this segment, we let our listeners write in, ask a few questions, and we try to answer them as best we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kays, who's up first? Uh, at Louis underscore F. Did Connor Rosie somehow exceed our own expectations <laughs> from the Intra Club? Uh, I watched the Intra Club with Louis. Uh, met him. He's part of the Lane Kicking podcast. I met him on the night. Uh, really good bloke. Um, yeah, look, he did, I think. Uh, just to see him play against real opposition players and do a similar type of thing to what he did um, at the Intra Club. Brisbane didn't play their weakest side either. No, so no. it was actually quite a strong side they played. Um, so it was good to actually see him do it against good players. Um, his points per minute scoring was through the roof, as we mentioned earlier, 1.3. Um, playing him a full game, you know, maybe just likes playing against Brisbane, actually. That was the game he had that big blinder last year. But um, no, I think he's actually going to replicate that this year. So. Jeez, he looks good. Yeah, next one. Uh, at Dale Travers. So he says, Hawthorne midfield is stacked, including their wings. Will Wingard get good midfield time or is it classic pre-season rotations in the Ansett Cup or whatever it's called these days? I think he will, just going on the back end of last season. I know Tom Mitchell comes in, but I think they could actually play more rotations through different parts of the field. Mm -hmm. There was talk earlier in the year, we didn't really see it on the weekend because Mitchell only played half the game, but of Mitchell playing a bit more forward time like he did up at uh, Sydney earlier in his career, just to kind of ease him back in Mm -hmm. as well. So it could be something like that. If not, I'm not sure of the logistics or how it works, but I do think Wingard's best position is in the midfield. So I can see him playing midfield time. I think Clarko sees that as well. Yeah. So uh, Clarko, if, if anyone's going to do it, Clarko will roll the dice and do it. Yep. I reckon so as well. Uh, next question. All right. This one's from Jerry Rayner. So can I have some McKenna rumors, uh, wild speculation? Does he play AFL? Uh, as a Bombers man, Jerry, uh, he'll be back. So. Don't let any rumour or innuendo sway you. Uh, basically, I hope he comes back because the Dons might not have 22 players to pick from uh, by the sounds of it. But uh, look, I don't have any inside information, but um, I'm actually kind of happy he's left now, gone home, seen the family. 
did whatever he needs to do back home and hopefully comes back and plays round one. The Dons have said he's actually been doing all the training, etc., over in Ireland. So I'm actually just looking forward to what he can do in 2020. We kind of hyped him up in a lot of our preseason pods. So um, hopefully there's that that growth here. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm confident that he can come back and do some good stuff. What I will say, Jerry, is if he doesn't come back, it looks really good for Mason Redmond. It looks good for race, Mason Redmond anyway, I think, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah. without him being there. It probably, if uh, he doesn't come back, it probably looks good for like a Jordan Ridley, I suppose. But oh, that's uh, true, actually. I'd like I to see him play yeah, a bit more defence. Yeah, Mason Redmond is, uh, I think he's going to go up and up this year too, but uh, hopefully McKenna comes on board too. All right, uh, at analysis footy. So, how do you see Newman scoring being affected by Doherty returning? Uh, interesting to see how they line up this week, the, the Blues, I think think so yeah i can't see sps playing half back you know there's been a lot of hype about you know him being back there i think that they've got enough quality back there in doherty newman and simpson probably so in the intra club wasn't he playing up the ground a bit more or yes yeah. so and newman i think was playing actually in the back pocket and taking all the kickouts as well from, okay i think that's the report i saw so yeah um this week hopefully they kind of most of those guys play together and we can see a bit of how they'll line up I think if anyone's actually going to give up a bit of time, it's going to be Simpson. So, I think that Newman and Doherty can both cohabit a nice half-back line. Well, we saw Doherty and Simpson score well together for, for a couple of years. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, it's really just, I think, potentially Simpson's just got just one more year on him. And, yeah, and I think he might play a bit more of a bit part as opposed to that. But yep. if Newman's the guy taking the kickouts, I don't think his, uh, his numbers are going to be affected too greatly yep. whatsoever. Instead of Doherty and Simpson, like it was a few years ago, all scoring awesome, it's just going to be Doc and Newman. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, agreed, yep. agreed. All right, uh, this one's from at Russ2468, regular of the podcast, absolute legend, keeps us going with questions. Uh, Power Pepper or Sam Petresky seaton both are likely to be available at my first, uh, eighth or second, which is 16th pick in my league redraft. It'll come down to how much mid-time these DPPs get. SPP looked really good on the weekend with 40% of the CBAs, but his spot fell tenu- tenuous last year. Before I have my little answer, how did SPP look for all the power? Yeah, he looked like he he played that forward role. So, but he played it as like a crash, like back, uh, like tackling kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so wrapped up some good tackle numbers. Kicked a couple goal. Or I think he kicked one goal. I think, or maybe just set up a couple. I can't remember what actually happened. Um, but yeah, then he did play the midfield time as well. I think he scored pretty well as well. I think I've left him out of talking him in the um, in the actual Port Adelaide review from the master. Mm-hmm. We probably should have mentioned him, but no. Nah, um, yeah, I think he looked pretty good. Case, what do you reckon? Well, if it comes to it's really a bit of a gut feel call, I think, because I have them both on par in a way. So I feel that SPS is probably more in Carlton's long-term plans than potentially SPP is at the power. I don't know. I just kind of feel that he's a bit dispensable there with the the kind of midfielders they have. And I know he's one of the younger ones and they invested a, a good draft pick in him early on. But I feel that out of all that core midfield group, he's the one on the outer, which is why he's, why he's playing a bit up forward. So for me, Russ, I reckon the decision comes down to what's best for your team going into this year. Do you need the, the backstab? Status of um, SPS, or you do need that forward status of um, Power Pepper. But if you were basically saying you both, you've got a choice of one of them, I'd probably lean towards SPS. Sorry, just going back to Sam Power Pepper. He did score mm. 102 on the weekend from 65% time on ground. He didn't kick that goal, but I remember now he set it up for uh, Butters. So yeah. yeah, it was on the goal line and gave it to him. Who so, would you go with as a biased port supporter? Oh, dear. Um,. I would probably go. I reckon it's a coin toss. Like, yeah. there's not going to be too much of a difference between them. Depends if you need the defender or the forward. I mm. think. Um, I think both are likely to not be in. 
Sam Pachowski Seton, I reckon, is probably more likely to have a back status in the future. Agreed. Whereas I think Sam Powell Pepper might lose it eventually going back to an inside midfielder, especially if someone like Ollie Wines leaves at the end of the year where there's a lot mm. of talk about. Yeah. So I'd probably lean slightly, just slightly towards SPS, but I don't think he'll fail with either of them. Agreed. Yep. Uh, at Destroyer, he needs two starters out of Witherden, Burton, Ryan, Short and Redmond. Which ones are you picking? Hef? Oh, God, this is hard. Um, two starters. So to start, um, just I'm just going to pick the best two that you'd probably go with. And even mm-hmm. then, I can't really... Look, I'd probably go as bad as he was last year. I'd, just, I'd give Witherden another chance just because yep. of the track record. Yep. I'm hoping he's going to bounce back. He was scoring pretty reasonable um, on the weekend until he got knocked out. I think it was in the 47 from about 50% time on ground or something like that. So, he was mm-hmm. scoring okay mm-hmm. from there. After that... Luke hard. Ryan for me. Yeah. Toss up between... It's, oh, it, I'd play all. I'd play any of those three. It's a it's a it's a genuine coin toss between there as well. Either Burton or Ryan, just because uh, I guess the history. Short could definitely jump up and you know become an absolute superstar this year. Redmond um, is got you know like we talked about before with McCona, uh, Connor McKenna leaving or you know going back to Ireland is a real opportunity for him to be their main ball mover out of defence. Yeah, Ryan or Burton. I don't know. Okay, so I can't choose. I yeah. can't choose. One I of think those you've two. got some great options. Yeah, you've got a good backline. You're, back not, line you're, not, you're not worried. Yeah. Uh, another one of these uh, tough questions is from Nathan Riches. He needs to keep two of these five: Jade Gresham, Darcy Parish, Wayne Miller, Christian Petrarca, and Jaden Short. He's leaning towards Miller and Gresham at the moment. Oh my god, these questions are hard. So Gresham, Parish, Miller, Petrarca, and Short. So Gresham. Miller, Petrarca, Short, they were all like people I'd 100% want to be keeping. What yep. is, who's on the rest of your team? Yeah, I know. They must only keep eight <laughs> or something like that. Um, leaning towards Miller and Gresham. Oh, this is going to come down to what positions you yeah. need, I think. So if you're leaning towards them, you're kind of you're looking at a defender, but then you've got a forward as well. Oh, God. I, I really like Petrarca this year as a forward. Um, not Yeah, yeah. look, I think Gresham's going to be split between uh, mid-forward, but I think Petrarca could actually go into the midfield a lot more permanently this year. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, if you're looking forward, that might be bad for his forward status. I think short could, should also come under consideration going into the future. I think like you've got to go with your gut, I think, here, because I don't think anything I could say was actually going to be that helpful because they're all definitely they're capable all players. players yeah. yeah, so they, and, and again, there's not going to be much between them. So Gresham should go around between the mid-80 joint. I think Petrarca should go around mid-80s. Mid Miller should go around mid-80s. Short will probably go close to 80. Parrish will be around the 80 mark as well. So it narrows it down to three. Go with what positions you need out of Gresham, Miller and Petrarca, I think. I would be going Miller and Parrish. Okay. Miller and Parrish. I just think that Essendon are very, very un- uh, depleted this year in the midfield with their injuries, etc. And I think yep. Parrish is going to get more of an opportunity in there. And I'm pretty hot on Wayne Miller. But I don't think you can actually go wrong. I'm going to go Miller and Petrarca. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. Or Gresham. Well, at least like, you're keeping Miller. So yeah, that's yeah. one thing you got. You keep well, Miller. I, I defender. That's the yeah. thing. That, and then I have to choose the best forward best out of those forward, two. Yeah. And I can't split them at the moment. So, well, yeah, I don't know. Moving Next on. question. <laughs> Craig Frederick. Uh, how much stock are we putting into these Marsh games? Is it realistic to be jumping on board Melbourne and Gold Coast players? Look, take the Marsh series with a, with a grain of salt, I think. So, Bont absolutely killed it, but... The north midfield had no one in it. And then a lot of Geelong midfields, um, midfielders were missing as well, which made the Gold Coast kids look really, really good. But then someone like Houston and Rosie, they played close to a full complement of midfielders in Brisbane. So you got to 
um, assess each case differently. I think. Um, so yes, some games you should be um, you should be actually you know buying into some of the scores, and other games you've got to um, yeah be jumping onto others. So mm. with Gold Coast, probably not. Melbourne, um, Truck didn't have Brayshaw playing, did he? No. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Yeah. Look, I think you've got to be you just assess it. Yeah, assess on think, each game, and that's yeah. And I think that with um, Gold Coast, you probably more. That was probably a bit more of a snapshot of what you're almost going to get. You know, they didn't have Brandon Ellis, I suppose. But yeah. you know, they still those kids are still going to play, and you know, guys like McPherson who went nuts and Ainsworth who went nuts, they're still going to be playing. So yeah. it's just like. Will they be getting as much yeah, opportunity as they can? Yeah, in terms of scoring, it's probably yeah. not going to be like, like it was. Will Dyson McPherson score 130 each week? No, but if he doesn't, but he is probably going to score around 80, 90 again if you kind yeah. of take into the, the opportunity there. So it's just a matter of kind of looking at the list, who played, who played well and how it all worked out. So yeah. it takes a bit of time, but um, definitely worth thinking about. I think Melbourne, you can jump on board except for Petrarca. You've really got to monitor Petrarca again because that probably won't happen each week. Gold Coast as well, you've got to just think about, yeah, basically mm-hmm. who they're playing each week and what kind of opportunities they're going to get. Uh, Wayne Gartner, any rookies standing out for a round one slash early season debut? Oh, well, you know, just on the back of that, all the Gold Coast names, really, Rao, Anderson yep. and Butterick. Yep, I think Rao and Anderson will be playing round one, Butterick uh, 50-50. Yep. Uh, for me, he's not a rookie second-year player I talked about him before. I thought Kennelly was quite impressive. So, uh, early season, I think he might be around the mark. Didn't seem to be a lot of rookies on the show. Um, no. Oh, actually, Tristan Cherry from uh, North. North Melbourne, but mm. I just can't see him playing. He no. scored really well. I just can't see him playing yeah. with Goldstein on the side. Yeah. Oh, the thing is with Campbell, like, not in the wings, Cherry coming in, he could be straight into number two spot. So that could yeah. be interesting if something goes down. Yeah, something goes down there. Um, James Holder. So where would you take Tim English in a start-up keeper league? Um, well, we both ranked him seventh in our ruck rankings for, for keeper league. So... Um, it's a tough one. So I think taking rucks goes in a bit of taking rucks late. Sorry, goes is a bit trendy at the moment. Everyone's going. I yep. oh, take your rucks late. Take your rucks late. I've been doing it for years in in, in redrafts, so not mm. keeper leagues. Yep. We only have one draft, obviously, but redrafts, yep. and it's been paying dividends for yep. me for years. But I think you need to think about it a bit more in a keeper league. So you just got to be aware of how the runs happen. So a run, if you don't know what it is, is basically when, you know, all of a sudden midfielders start getting drafted or all of a sudden forwards start getting drafted and people can get caught up in those things. And sometimes it's good to go against the, the, um, the run. But I think if that start, if the ruck run starts in a keeper leg draft, you've got to be aware. So obviously you guys like Gorn and um, Grundy are going to go early on. And they're a completely separate class. And then potentially when you you get into your wits or your life sets, potentially Englishes, I think you've got to get on board then because they're the best young ruckman around. You throw Darcy in the mix, potentially yeah. Nan Curvis, but then after – and Riley O'Brien, sorry. But then after that, it's absolutely famine yeah. and you just don't know. So, I think you've got to put a bit more value on him in a keeper leg draft if, you, if you're if keen on someone like English. I think him around like this, the same grouping as O'Brien, those kind of things, I think that's a fair – fair point to take him um but yeah if you just be aware of when that when that run happens in that draft i agree to an extent that you do have to put a little bit more emphasis on uh rucks in keeper leagues but at the same time so many variables happen in drafts that it's too hard to really tell what goes on so what i will just say is monitor what happens in the draft and where the rucks go if rucks start going earlier than you think they should then don't get sucked in Mm. really so if you look at someone like um matthew cruiser is probably going to be available very late like going into it no no no, but listen just listen listen but then you can pick up mark pitney like really late too. So he will be the probably the Carlton Ruckman going forward from there. So 
and he'll probably, you know, be serviceable 70, 80 average over the next few years. So, again, you could probably snag someone a bit late. So, really, you've just got to monitor what happens in the draft and where rucks really go because don't stress if they all start to go because that just means you can load up on more midfielders, defenders and uh, mm. forwards and things like that. For me, like, I generally try to fill up, you know, captain option first go if you're playing captain option. I fill up my positions, take a few mids and that's when I start thinking about rucks um, and that's probably the way I'd take it unless you're gifted with an early pick where you grab Grundy, Grundy. and go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, Dylan Brooks, has Stephen Hill got any fantasy value as the rare BFDPP? I kind of have a feeling he's not the craziest of late picks. So he turns 30 this year. Uh, his best seasons were in 2015, 2016, where he was a 90 average player. Obviously very, very risky. So he only played the three games last year. Body was not right. From all reports, he's been pretty fit this preseason and, and looking quite good. As that back forward DPP, I kind of like those players. Just uh, gives you a lot of versatility. So, wouldn't shock. And I don't think you're going to have to pay anything for him. I think you can get him super, super late. People will just completely discard him, which is might be fair enough if that's your take. But uh, if you're just looking for someone who can potentially be best 22 and um, kind of help you, you know, stock your team up, I think he's not the worst pickup. Not worth the risk for mine. I think it just could be one of those players that just completely disregarded with a new coach, just wanting to blood youth and stuff like that. So there's that risk of just sitting in the twos all years and you've yeah. just drafted a player that's not going to play where well, you could have taken, you know, again, no one's going to be stupid and take him early on. They're going to take no. him without their last pick of the draft, but I yeah. think you're just better off going with a future gun or someone you could probably try to stash for later on, I think. See, monitor, monitor the marsh. Yeah. Uh, Sam Savitas, who would you take first, Petrarca, Gresham or Rosie in a league where goals are worth plus eight? Oh, another Petrarca versus Gresham question. Um, I'm going to go, I've, I've thought about it, I'm going to go Petrarca purely on the back of last weekend. But then I no, I actually thought a bit more. There's going to be a lot more competition at St. Kilda for midfield spots, I think, even with Brayshaw and Oliver there. Who's going to keep the most goals out of Petrarca, Gresham, oh, and Rosie? Anyway, I, sorry, I missed the end of that question, but I did go through and add this up earlier. So I recalculated all the averages with an eight-point goal tally, and it didn't really change anything. Mm. So, look, I'd probably go Petrarca um, and then Gresham and then Rosie. But then I think Rosie's probably more likely to be a forward in the future. But I don't know. If Track plays in the midfield like he did on the weekend, he was an absolute star. Like They've got to trial him in that position this year. They've got to try him in the guts. You'd think so. Yeah. So it's just going to be, yeah. I think Rosie's probably the safest for keeping forward going forward. Actually, Gresham probably is as well. These comparisons are so hard. They are so hard. <laughs> Especially when they're all like absolute guns Good that players, you all want to yeah. keep. Um, look, yeah, I'll go Petrarca, Gresham, and then Rosie for mine. Yeah. All right. And last question. Uh, from Daniel Eldridge. Petrarca is he, fuck. Another Petrarca question. Uh, Daniel Eldridge. Petrarca, is he fake or will he become the real deal? Fake news. What? So now. No. Yes, sell now. What do you He's mean? never going to be hotter property than he is now. So his personal best average was in 2018, which is 80.7. Average 76 last year. He is the run of a mill, boring forward. Can play the game. I um, Don't hate him as a player. He's an impact player, an actual football gun, but he's a fantasy headache. One you don't want. Sell high while you can. Uh, it's look, one Marsh series game and look, he only played in the midfield because bloody no Brayshaw was there. I do think right now people are If you are were frothing. trading stocks, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would sell, sell, sell because he's not going to average 130 in the season. He's not even going to average 100. He's not going to average 90. We're man. not selling stocks here. We're selling fantasy footballers. But selling. I do agree that the, the, the hype is really high at the it's moment. way too high. My hype would be in Hugh Greenwood more than Christian Petrarca. Uh, what, you'd rather have Christian Petrarca? So you'd rather have Hugh Greenwood than Christian Petrarca? As a fantasy player, inside. yes. Wow. I would. This year. 
Okay. 100%. This year. Yeah, look, I think in the Keeper League, Petrarca, you've got to – look, I know, I know the weekend was mental and it's not going to happen every week. But the potential is there that he has a midfield spot, a full-time midfield spot this year. If he takes that, I reckon he'll score pretty damn well. So, again, I think – I don't think it's fake news, but it's I think news. I think it's just a bit overhyped at the moment and we need to watch another game. I reckon that's the best way to put it. And then you can all be disappointed and you wish you sold him like I told you to. Well, the thing is last year we looked at Brayshaw who was getting 150 every March series game and then played on a wing and did nothing for the whole year. So there is history there at Melbourne. Anyway, let's uh, stop talking about Petrarca in every question and we'll wrap Thank the God show Thank God they're not up, playing I this think. week so we won't get any Petrarca yeah, questions that'd this week. that'd be great. There's a lot of hype about Petrarca, isn't there? Too anyway, much. we're wrapping up now. So uh, make sure you check out our socials, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. All the links are in the description. Uh, all the membership stuff's in the description as well if you want to have a look at that sort of stuff there. Um, yeah, next week we'll uh, continue like wrapping up or sorry, continue reviewing all of the Marsh series games and then... Uh, well, there's another week. We might even have a look at the. Uh, we'll have a look at the All Stars game if there's any relevance there. But I doubt that will be because there'll be a too, few too many hashtag two G four P players there. Everyone basically. Well, yeah. There's always a few that kind of are on the on the cusp, like your mm-hmm. key forwards, like you know your rewalts and My stuff boys. like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then there'll be probably a few lock lockdown defender types as well that are always around. You know the draftable range. So we'll have a look at those. But uh, yeah, that's basically it. We'll be back next week to talk about more Marsh series. Have a good week. See you guys.